Open your Bibles, if you would, please, tonight to the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter 4. 2 Corinthians, chapter 4. Glory to God. So good to be hearing testimonies. Uh, amen. About answered prayer and uh, things coming to pass. And uh, I wanted, I had it in my heart, seemed good to me to talk to you tonight about faith. Glory to God. You know, Brother Hagin said, Kenneth E. Hagin, years and years after he had um, left pastoring at the Lord's direction, he pastored four churches over a 12-year period and, uh, and then went on into the real ministry that God had had for him, which is more of a teaching, traveling, prophetic ministry. What a great blessing. And uh, anyway, he, he said one time, he said that if I ever had a chance to go back and pastor, I would take one service a week for the rest of my days pastoring and teach the people on the subject of faith. That's how profoundly important the subject of faith is. Amen. And then just recently, sitting under the ministry of my pastor, uh, she again rehearsed the statement that we should, no matter what the Lord has you on and emphasizing in your study or talking to you about, you should always, every day, feed yourself along the life of faith, on the line of faith and healing. Because every day you need your faith. Every day you need your faith. Amen. And uh, either you, on the subject of faith or healing, you know, every day I've had people contact me today. Pastor, would you agree with me about that? What do they want? They don't want me to just say words. They want me to release my faith with them about that situation. And I endeavor to do that. So every day, and that happens to me constantly. Amen. And uh, praise God. So I, I need to have faith in the cupboard. I need to be on the cutting edge of my faith. Do you know that your faith has a shelf life and it's not very long? Yeah. The fact that you had strong, vibrant faith five years ago or five days ago or five months ago does not mean that your faith is as vibrant today as it was back then. Amen. That's why faith comes by hearing and hearing present tense by the Word of God. You know, every time you use your faith, you spent that measure of faith. Amen. And so you have, to, you have to reclaim, and you have to just thank God, the Bible you have, that's a faith factory. Amen. <laughs> Glory to God. And so anyway, faith is just so vitally, vitally important. And so again, in, in talking about the, um, the saying list that you have, I hope you have. I'm still tweaking mine and, and, and adding some things to mine, praise God, but I have one. And uh, I pray that that is not a to-do list. I, I pray that's not how you approach that. This is my to-do list. Or a task list. No, the things that should be on your saying list are promises from God, right? Part of your inheritance, things that you cannot do by yourself. That it's going to take God's power, right? It's going to take God's strength, His ability to do that for you. Otherwise, you know, it could be on a list. It just doesn't need to be on that list. We're talking about things that you're having faith for. Amen? And, uh, you know, I've got ten things on there, and they're all things that uh, without God, uh, they won't come to pass. You know, like divine protection. You know, don't take that for granted. That's, that's big up on my list. Amen. Well, it will take God. I mean, just I, I live to get to my home, like many of you, 
uh, we have narrow country roads here with no shoulders. And mine are windy and up and down hills, and, and it's dark. You know, back where I grew up, you had street lights. And so my definition of dark, when I moved to Paducah, I found out what dark was because Paducah doesn't believe in street lights in most places. But you get out anywhere out outside the city, it's dark, right? And I came up the hill, come to church tonight, and right at the crest of the hill, I met a car and it was moving and I was glad it was in its lane. Amen. And it just made me think to myself, you know, had that not been, had that car, you know, not been paying attention, whatever, it would take power to preserve me in a circumstance like that, even in a big vehicle like I drive in. But I'm counting on him to do that. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. And, but see, we have to have faith. The fact that that's promised in the word and available, obviously that doesn't mean to translates to our individual situations. We have to mix our faith with every promise. Amen. Keep, keep your finger here, but go with me over to the book of Hebrews just real quick. Amen. I like to give chapter and verse for everything I say and the points that I have. Hebrews chapter 4, you, you guys all right? <clears throat> Glory. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse number 1 says, Let us therefore fear, lest a promise, so he's talking about promises, being left us of entering into his rest, that any of you should seem to come short of it. Could you come short of God's promise? Sure, we all have, right? For unto us was the gospel, the good news preached, as well as unto them. But the word preached, now he's talking about the experience of Israel, and they didn't enter into God's rest because of unbelief. Because of their failure to believe, they did not enter into what God had for them. God has peace for you, but you have to enter into it. God has joy for you, but you have to enter into it. God's got healing for us, but we have to enter into it. There's promise of provision, but we have to enter into it. They didn't, they failed, they came short through how? Through unbelief. How would we fall short? Same manner. Unbelief. The failure to believe God. Amen? So it says there in verse 2, Hebrews 4, 2, that the gospel was preached unto them as well as unto us, but the word preached did not profit them. Why? Not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. And so this, this explains things. How This explains why, for me as a pastor, how someone could come to, to this church and hear me preach the Word of God and about faith and the promises of God and they take good notes, amen, and they're regular attenders, hallelujah, and they, and they, they uh, maybe buy some CDs and some books, but they never experienced the promises. Well, it's been preached to them. Amen? But having something preached to you is not going to make it happen in your life. Amen? The Word of God, the promises of God were preached to them, but they didn't enter in because they did not mix their faith in what they heard. So it's up to every individual to mix faith with what's preached. Amen? So go back over to 2 Corinthians. And I want to just emphasize for a few minutes tonight a very wonderful, profound, important, specific part of faith and just highlight it for you and say some things to you about it. Encourage you. Amen? 
And uh, you know, I was thinking about this this afternoon. When uh, the previous pastor, uh, Pastor Danny, invited uh, my wife and I to come, he had quite a time talking us into even coming to visit. Uh, we just were not open. We just had a new baby, our first baby. And we had never, I had never wanted for anything more than Oklahoma. And uh, ne- I never saw the plan of God taking me outside of the borders of the Okie State. I just never did. And uh, so anyway, but, uh, but we came. And uh, he took us on private tour of the church and took us around the city and took us down to Patty. See, he was really smart. And, uh, and anyway, he asked me to preach that Sunday. And I don't know if you remember, but uh, I, what I preached... It was, uh, uh, well, I think it was either that or it was the first Sunday. But anyway, uh, I preached this message called the Spirit of Faith. That's what I preached. Amen. That's the first message I preached to this congregation. Of course, you hadn't been there a long time ago. Amen. Hallelujah. And uh, so I, I have just been so touched by the Spirit of Faith. Let's talk about this. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse number 13, Paul, writing to the church at Corinth, says, For we, or we having, didn't say they were trying to get, right? It said, We having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed, and therefore have I spoken. We also believe, and therefore speak, knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise us up also by Jesus and shall present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might through thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. For which cause we faint not. I like that. The Cody translation would say, we do not quit. Amen? We do not quit. Though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction. Paul called it a light affliction. Amen? Whatever you're going through, the Bible calls it a light affliction, which is but for a moment works for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal or temporary. I like to say subject to change. If it's temporal, if it's temporary, it is subject to change. That pain in your body, that's temporal because you could see it. You could feel it. It's natural. That means it's subject to change. The doctor may have said something to you. It may be a fact, but the truth of God's word is superior to the fact of the doctor. Hallelujah. Your checking account balance, thank God, is temporal. It is subject to change. Your marriage, your family situation, amen, that's subject to change. Praise God. So when Paul says we, he doesn't just mean Christians, he is. But in this context, he's saying we who have the spirit of faith. Amen. Amen. You know, the Bible talks about the word of faith. Now, I came in on the latter part of the move of God uh, called the Word of Faith Movement. You know, in the 40s and 50s, they had the, uh, the healing revival, the tent revivals, and the healing revivals on. And then that spilled over into the charismatic renewal. Amen? Where everybody in all sorts of denominations were being filled with the Spirit, speaking with other tongues, embracing the gifts of the Spirit. Amen? 
But that gave way up into the 80s and 90s to the teaching revival. And that, that era, that wave in the body of Christ in America at least, lasted until Dad Hagen went home, 2003. Amen? And that's when the American church backslid for 20 years, like I was talking about earlier. Anyway, but we're coming out of that. Amen? Into some new things, into some fresh things. Praise God. But that's where uh, I entered in and started paying attention uh, to the word of faith. So the Bible talks about the word of faith. Amen? Romans 10 talks about that. Paul said, the word of faith which we preach. That's what you want to have preached to you. You don't want to have wondering or wishing or I think this is right. You want to have the word of faith preached to you and taught to you. Amen? The Bible talks about the law of faith in the book of Romans. The law of faith. Amen? And the Bible teaches all through about principles of how faith works. How to operate your faith. You all with me? And so all of that's legit. There's the word of faith. There's the laws of faith. The principles of faith. But what is Paul talking about here? He's talking about something. He's talking about faith, but he's talking about something altogether different. He's talking about the spirit of faith. Right? We talk about evil spirits, and there are different kinds. In other words, they're, they're all demons. Amen? But they, they try to work different strategies on people. And the demons that work those particular strategies, we give them names according to their strategy. So, amen. Uh, Paul dealt with Timothy about a spirit of fear. A spirit of fear. Amen. There's a spirit of suicide that tries to attack people's minds. Amen. And so, you know, the, Jesus talked about unclean spirits. Make you do all kinds of stuff. Right? Well, praise God. God's a spirit. Don't forget that. And so here he says, we having, 2 Corinthians 4.13, we having the spirit, the same spirit of faith. Amen. So what would be the spirit of faith? Well, praise God. This is uh, what I would call an attitude of faith. A mindset of faith. It is, a, uh, it is something that comes on you. And it makes you look at things differently. It's like putting rose-colored glasses on. Right? You may be the only one wearing rose-colored glasses. But while you have those glasses on, everything you see is tainted and colored with the perception of those glasses. Well, someone who's got the spirit of faith, oh, they see all the different situations and problems and mountains and circumstances and oppositions of everybody else, but they see those different mountains and problems and attacks and circumstances differently than everybody else. They are looking at their situations through the eye of faith. They have an attitude of faith. There is something on them that enables them to approach Every situation that comes along with a heart and an attitude and a mind of faith. Woo! Glory to God. Amen. Now listen, anybody who knows, I know some, and I've endeavored and I will endeavor to teach you how faith works. How faith comes, how faith operates, how you release your faith, how you get faith, how you act on your faith, how you make faith work. What hinders your faith, what helps your faith. The laws and the principles of faith. Amen? And you need to know them. 
But that's not all there is to know about faith. Amen? So you can have the laws of faith taught to you, but if you want the spirit of faith, the spirit of faith has to be caught. It has to be caught. Are you with me? I can teach you laws and principles, but to have the spirit of faith, that attitude of faith, that approach of faith, that, that colors everything that you see and experience everywhere you go, you have to catch that. Well, how do I catch it, Pastor? Well, how do you, and now we don't do this, but the world does. The world has phrases like, uh, can't come into work today, I caught a cold. Well, how did they catch a cold? That they caught it from someone who had it. Isn't that right? That's how they caught a cold. They picked it up. They didn't mean to. Right? But they got around somebody that had that on them. And what was on them is on them now. Amen? Well, how do you get the spirit of faith on you? You're going to have to catch it. And how are you going to catch it? You're going to have to catch it by getting around somebody who's got it. There was a time in my life, not only did I not know the principles of faith and the laws of faith, I didn't have the spirit of faith either. Amen? And I want more of that spirit of faith on me. I'm not proclaiming myself to be anything, but I know I have a measure of the spirit of faith on my life. Hallelujah. I love faith. I'm looking for opportunities to use my faith. Oh, now, I would say if there's anyone in the room that I think maybe has a little bit more of the spirit of faith on them than even me is my wife. Because uh, uh, it is, I am just hard-pressed in private, behind the walls, when no one else is watching. That's the opportunity that I have to be negative. Bad reports, bad things happen, frustrating things happen. I... I tend to be more susceptible to yielding temporarily to that frustration than her. She is eternally optimistic, annoyingly so. Amen. It doesn't seem to matter what comes along, what news comes along, what situation comes up. There's just something on my wife, praise God, that responds with the word, and it's going to be okay, and a calmness. Amen. And maybe you need to be the one to lay hands on us all tonight. Praise God. But anyway, you know, I'm working. Are you working on yourself? I'm working on myself. And I try to just shrink and shrink and shrink that negative response time down to where it's nothing. Amen. But we can have such a spirit of faith on us that it doesn't matter what comes our way, our response is faith. And we're not thinking, okay, what was the three steps to faith? You know, what were those? You know, and if all you know is three steps and what button to push and what lever, that's what makes faith dry and dead, and lifeless. But I tell you what, if you get the spirit of faith on you, and that's just that spirit of faith on you, amen, will carry you a long way while you're learning the principles of faith. And I'm just so glad that God saw fit to connect my wife and I with people in the body of Christ, leaders in the body of Christ on the planet that had the spirit of faith on them. Where did I get my spirit of faith? Well, I never met personally Brother Hagen, but the, when, when Amber's pastor put that green book in my hand, other people didn't do anything with it. I've given, I don't know how many copies of that book away. Amen. In fact, the last copy we had is gone now because I gave it away. Hallelujah. Amen. Because I'm just telling you, someone, that Amber's pastor put that book in my hand, 
And I not only read it, but something got off on me. Amen. You could have all kinds of... You could have the Bible, and it's the Bible preached to you. Amen. But some people approach the Bible as religion and tradition and lifeless dead dogma and doctrine and creed and information. And you could be around it and you could have that taught to you and, you, and that's what you'll get. Dogma, religion, deadness, dryness, and tradition. Religion. Amen. Or you can have the Bible taught to you from someone who's living it. And it's alive in them. And they have revelation of it. And they have a revelation. They have the spirit of faith on them. And they're going to preach the word of God to you. And they're going to take you somewhere. Hallelujah. Amen. And that's the way Brother Hagin was. And I never met him personally. But I fellowshiped with him and his spirit as I read that first book from him. And that book changed my life. And so one of the things I did is I went and got all of his books. Little by little. Thankfully, you know, Amber's mom, uh, Nana... Uh, she had them all. She, she virtually had them all. And I just, a kid in a candy store. Other people's, they didn't do anything with it. Amen? But not only did I get biblical information that changed my life, the spirit, amen, that he carried of faith that enabled him multiple times to stare death in the face and laugh. Amen? The kind of faith that stood before cripples in wheelchairs and said, get up and walk as the spirit led him. Come on. Hallelujah. That spirit of faith that was on him got over on me. Amen. And then God connected me with a pastor that had the spirit of faith. I mean, he did, it just wasn't anything. If it was impossible, he wanted to tackle it. If it was a mountain, he wanted to climb it. And I don't know, there's just something in my makeup that's always been that way. I remember some of my fondest memories uh, from, you know, say, second grade all the way up through the eighth grade. Uh, my dad and mom had bought, before they got divorced, they had a beautiful uh, home on a five acres. And there were maybe 10, 20 homes in that subdivision, all on multiple acres. And it was all wooded and surrounded by woods and lands and ravines. And so our friends, we would go out and we would go explore the woods and the rock formations. And the, a lot of, not, not nearly as lush and beautiful and grand as what you have up in southern Illinois, but the Oklahoma yucky version kind of of ravines and rocks and, and that kind of thing. And, uh, but we'd be gone all day, and my friend, we'd be looking, okay, how are we going to get down there? How are we going to get up there? And my friends would say, well, here's a, this way looks easy. Well, I never wanted to take that way. What's the fun in that? I don't want to take the easy way. Come on, let's, let's take the way that if we make one slip, we're going to fall and break our neck, you know. That's, that's the kind of way I wanted to take it. That's what I thought was fun. Amen? And then there's just something about that that maybe along with the spirit of faith, I like. Give me a challenge. Amen. Praise God. And we need this spirit of faith in the world today. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Well, so notice Paul's talking about this and he says, we having the same spirit of faith. So he said, same, same, same spirit of faith. Well, who's he talking about? Well, we don't have time, but in Psalm 116, remember he said, we having the same spirit of faith according as it is written. Well, where is this spirit of faith talked about? Where is it written? Well, he's quoting Psalm 116 verse 10. Where the psalmist David said, he's going through all this affliction, going through all this trial, but he said, I having believed, I spoke. And we know David was a faith man. David conquered. And so when Paul said, we having the same spirit of faith, the most specific context he's talking about, he said the same faith. Come on, the same faith that was on David, we have today. Do I need to preach to you about David? Glory. Amen. 
maybe I will. But don't forget, this same spirit of faith, it includes the faith of Jesus, the faith of God. Because the measure of faith that we had dealt to us is the measure of faith Jesus was talking about in Mark eleven twenty two when he said, have the God kind. <laughs> Come on, the God kind of faith. Woo! So when Paul said, we having the same spirit of faith, we here today, tonight as believers, we have, what kind of faith do we have? The kind of faith David walked in. The kind of faith the Lord Jesus walked in. He didn't have a boat. He forgot. Oh, he sent them all on to the other side of the lake. What did he do? He just walked. Hallelujah. He just walked. Now, what gave him the attitude and the mindset that he thought he could just walk and not ride in a boat? Come on. What, 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 remember this spirit of faith, one of the things it does, it makes you look at stuff differently than people who don't have faith. So the multitudes are there, and they've been out in the wilderness with Jesus at his crusade for three days. Remember that? And the disciples said, you need to end the crusade and send them out. Man, they're, good. they're hungry. And Jesus said, you give them something to eat. Now, notice the disciples. They're still learning. Notice their response to the command, you give them something to eat. How, what, where, where did their mind go? Where's the bag? Okay, where's the farthest store? How much money do we have? Notice their immediate reaction to a new situation was natural. But Jesus had spirit faith. He knew what he was going to do. See, it's the attitude. It's the I can, I am the son of God, I have a covenant with God, I have power with God, I am the creator after all. I just need a little something, a little earthly something to start with. What you got around here? Well, we got some fish and chips. That's good enough for me. Just give me something to multiply. But see, you never get to that kind of miracle except you have the thought that it can be done. See, your faith can only take you as far as your mind will let you conceive. Amen. And since Jesus left, that's not been the end of multiplying food. Because Kamal's dad does it on a regular basis. He told me the story one time about inviting a bunch of pastors for Christmas. Just people around the orphanage, families to come. Was it Christmas? For Christmas, and he wanted to feed everybody. So he just, I don't know how he did it, but he let it be known. Everybody wants to come, I'm going to feed everybody. How much food did he prepare for he prepared food for 170 portions. 350 people showed up. Now you could stretch a little bit. But that's a pretty good stretch. Your dad, if I've got this story right, gave the workers instructions. What did he instruct them? He said, serve them as much as they want to eat. Now, if you have 170 portions, you have 350 people in line, what would the natural say? Little bitty portion. Right? But what did the man of God say? Feed them as much as they want. 
Come on, see, God did that. No, everybody ate, right? Okay, everybody ate. So God did the miracle. And it was his faith in God that did it. But his faith would never have had the opportunity to work had his mind not been renewed to the place where he could entertain the thought, feed them as much as they want. So your faith is important, but your mind is equally important. You need to expand your brain, get out of your little small box. God is a miraculous God. Amen. With Him, nothing is impossible. And your faith in Him is something He gave you. We have the same, not an inferior, not a lesser. We have the same spirit of faith. Woo, glory to God. The same faith that Jesus operated in when He stood at Lazarus' tomb. Amen. And they're all going like this because he's been in there for four days and he's stinking. And Jesus says, Lazarus, come forth. Amen. And Lazarus came hopping out of there alive. Glory to God. And Jesus walked this earth confident. And when taxes came, come on, what was his thought? He didn't turn to his wallet he had faith. And see, we, it's not just about, okay, now help me break that down, and how did he get that faith, and what button do I push, and whatever. There are laws, there are principles, but what you got to have is the spirit of faith. The spirit of faith. Amen. Again, how are you going to get it? Because I can't teach it into you. You can't educate yourself into a spirit of faith. You have got to catch it from someone who's got it. Amen. And you can have some right now. Hallelujah. Amen. See, God connected me, uh, my wife and I, with the Dufresnes. Oh, glory to God. And they've got the spirit of faith on them. I was thinking about this today, Pastor Nancy, in the aftermath of her husband going home, beautiful Lord, early. And uh, left her in charge of the ministry with millions and millions of dollars of pressing debt. And her dad would call her every week. Her dad was a millionaire. Multi. And her daddy would say, honey, are you all right? Do you need money? I can get you a million today and more in a few days if you need it. And she needed it. She had not just debts, but she had things coming down the pike, dominoes that if things didn't fall, amen. And she needed that money. But she said no. She said no. What was her mindset? Amen. Her mindset was, I I want to maintain and to preserve my dad's testimony. My testimony with my dad. As he's watched my husband and I. Amen. Because they weren't spirit-filled people. They weren't around the message of faith. Good people, Christians, moral people. Amen. But I don't want him to feel like he bailed me out. That was her mindset. So she stood in faith and God did it all. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But see, I like the mindset. I like the mindset. You know, the spirit of faith not going to let you have a mooch mindset. Somebody else pay mindset. Who do we invite to lunch? Yeah, somebody who's likely to pay. And that's a poverty mentality. I hate that mentality. I'm beyond that mentality. Don't you have that mentality? Glory to God. Amen. Do you kind of just feel that? You're just like, whoo, I am... I have got a spirit on me. Amen. And see, we've got proof that you, this is, 
This is caught. This is caught. All the twelve, they got this spirit of faith on them by being around Jesus, by sitting under His ministry. Then Timothy. Think about Timothy. Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 1, he's encouraging Timothy because Timothy has slipped out of faith and over into that spirit of fear. See, now he's looking at life through a different set of glasses. Instead of faith glasses, fear is coloring everything he sees. And there's people walking around today with fear glasses. They're, they're afraid of everything around every corner. Scared to come out of their house. Amen? God has not given us a spirit of fear. And he says, but, but he's given us what? A spirit of, and then he names three things, power, love, and of a sound mind. But the implication is there, he didn't say spirit of power, spirit of love, spirit of a sound mind, but that's what he means. That's the implication. So this is what we should be operating under. I don't have a spirit of timidity and cowardice. I'm not a backup kind of person. God gave me and you a spirit of power, a spirit of love, and a spirit of a sound mind. That's what God has authored for us. And that ought to be... We ought to be purposefully reaching and working outside of these walls. When you're away from me, amen, cultivating the faith life, cultivating these spiritual attributes, amen, that everything is colored by the Spirit God gives, power, amen. Oh, we got to need power. Then my reaction should be, power will take care of that. Power will take care of that. Power of God will take care of that. Power of God will help us with that. Amen. Love. Love ought to color everything we do. All of our interactions, all of our decisions, all of our conversations ought to be colored with the love of God. But Timothy had drifted out of that. Amen? So in helping encourage Timothy to get back on track, track he reminded him of his heritage. He said, now listen, Timothy, I have known, you have known, I am persuaded that the same faith that, and he called it unfeigned faith or sincere faith, real faith. He said, I perceive, I'm persuaded that faith, the real deal faith was in your grandmother, what, Eunice? And in your mother, Lois, or the other way around. Amen. And I am persuaded is in you also. Amen. This is the way God wants it. Instead of passing down abuse and dysfunction and apathy for God and new generations having to, having, having to overcome parents that don't care about God, don't love God, aren't, aren't interested in God, well, you, you don't have to be that way, but you've got extra stuff to overcome, don't you? Because daddy don't love Jesus like he should. We, we should pray for daddy. But don't let daddy's lack of love for Jesus make you go to hell. Let's pray for daddy and get him going to heaven. Amen. But what God wants is to establish a heritage of faith. Amen. That I've got faith. And now my kids have got faith. And as the Lord tarries is coming, my grandkids are going to get this spirit of faith on them. Hallelujah. Amen. Let, let's close over here in uh, 1 Samuel 17. Praise God. Y'all all right? Glory to God. Now, I'm totally open. I've done this before. God's led me to do this before. I don't know that I will tonight. 
You know, but uh, the spirit of faith is caught through impartation. And impartation happens through the laying on of hands, in part. But I tell you, just by being around, just by being around, and this is, this is what we've done, this is how Amber and I have been, we've been doing this since the mid-90s. We want to be around where we can hear the laws of faith, but we want to sit under the ministry of someone who's got the spirit of faith. And we're looking to catch it. So breathe on me, touch on me, lay hands on me, let me be around, let me be in the meeting. That's all I need. Preach the word. But I'm believing that that, that attitude and response of faith you have on you, I want that on me. Woo. And so see, you, you know, y'all are in my room tonight in the ministry. So take it. Take it. Take it. Take a fresh measure of the spirit of faith. Because you're, you're dealing with situations. Amen. People have stopped me and asked me in town. I hear you're open. Yeah, I've been open a long time. How's that possible? You unlock the door, baby. You just unlock the door. That's all you have to do. Turn the light on. That's all you have to do. Amen. Well, have you dealt with stuff? Sure, everybody deals with stuff. But God's been good to our congregation. And though people have tested positive for COVID, I can't find a case, and I've looked for one, where someone got COVID because they came to church. That hadn't happened yet. Not that I know of. And we hadn't lost anybody. Amen. Glory to God. Anyway, I'm just saying, again, I'm not perfect, but it, it was more than just knowing a, a law and a principle that have gotten us this far from Jackson Street to here. From barely 200,000 a year to where we're going to go way over a million this year. It's not bragging, but it's faith that does that. It's not a person that does it. That's what faith will do. Faith will grow it. Faith will increase it. Faith will expand it. Faith will move. Faith will step out. Faith will get results. Amen. And so I'm not, I'm bragging on Jesus. I'm bragging on faith. Hallelujah. But you want that spirit of faith on you. Glory to God. So let's, let's, uh, let's run the gamut here just real quick. Praise God. First Samuel 17, of course, is the account of David and Goliath. And so, of course, you know, David's just a youth. And, uh, you know, I, I read the whole chapter today. We're not gonna, we don't have time to read that whole chapter. And, uh, but praise God, but you know, uh, David is, uh, he's the youngest of Jesse's, what, eight kids? And the law was that if dad's an old man, then he doesn't have to go to the army when the king calls for, for a fight. But instead of the old man going, he's got to send up to three of his sons. So the three oldest boys are there at the battle. And so you've got a mountain full of Philistines on one mountain, and you've got the Israelites on a mountain on the other side and a valley in between. And here you have this nine-and-a-half-foot giant, you know, this uh, Special Forces Green Beret, been in war all his life, guy, step out, and the Bible says his, his spear looks like a weaver's beam. Amen. His sword be hard for you and I to pick up. And he's out there talking, you know. 
talking a big talk. And he's a big guy. And everyone on the Israel side, they all have covenants with God. They all have a covenant with God. Right? They all have the same promises. They all have the same Jehovah. And the king, King Saul, where's he? Hiding in his tent. That's where he is, hiding his tent. Now, let's not be overly critical. You, if, if you didn't have the spirit of faith, and you're looking at a nine-foot giant, come on. Brother Scott over there, Brother Scott, how tall are you? Six, six? Okay, so Brother Scott's six, six. Add three feet and about 300 pounds of muscle. Come on. He'd be looking down on Shaq. Okay? Be looking down on Shaq. If you didn't have the spirit of faith, you would be, you know, you know, soiling your huggies too. So let's not be critical. But every one of them, every one of those Israelites, including the leader, how did they respond to Goliath's threats and his brandishing and his defying and his, his words? They responded naturally. They responded to the wrong spirit. Amen? And they saw everything about that situation through defeat, fear-tainted glasses. Until David shows up. Amen? And so David shows up. Let's find a, a good place to start here because I'm in a new Bible. I don't have this whole chapter marked up yet. And, uh, and so David left his carriage, verse 22. He talked with the people. And uh, about that time, you know, Goliath comes out for his daily taunting. And the men start talking to David about um, what the king's going to give the man that defeats this giant. And so in verse 26, it says, And David spoke to the men that stood by him, saying, What shall be done? Notice this whole thing with David. Had he not met this moment, had he not met this moment, David wouldn't be the man we read about. See, there are moments in life where you have an opportunity to respond in a way that no one else will respond and gain glory for yourself and God. But you have to be prepared for that moment. Come on, you have to be prepared for those moments that God will make available, that life will make available for us to gain glory for ourselves and for the Lord. Amen? And it begins with a thought. David said, what? It was just pure interest in the reward that got David's... Everybody else, they were so scared, they didn't care about the reward. All they saw was themselves dead on the battlefield. That's all they saw. Amen? But see, David saw it different. He saw it different than everybody else. What shall be done for the man that kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine? You ought to mark that. You ought to write that down. No one else said that. No one else thought that. See, everybody else is so captivated by his sword and his shield and his size and his intimidating natural appearance. David didn't see that. He wasn't impressed by his height, or weight, or sword, or spear. What he saw was a guy, really big, but a guy without a covenant. 
He defined Goliath from the very beginning from his weakness. No matter how big this guy is, he's not bigger than God, and I have a covenant with God. This guy is uncircumcised. You have to know covenant language. He's uncircumcised. What's that mean? Circumcision for the Jews is a sign of covenant with God. He doesn't have a covenant with God. I have a covenant with God. So you see, it's the spirit of faith on someone that would have this thought, who thinks right. Spirit of faith will help you think right when things come along. Amen. That he should defy the armies of the living God. And the people answered him. They, they just responded in the same manner. Yeah, that's what the king will do. And of course, the brothers are ticked off with jealousy. Why? Because his spirit of faith is shining a light on their spirit of fear. Be ready for that. You rise up in the spirit of faith, it's going to expose everyone around you and your family, your close friends and circle that don't have any. And they don't like having the light shined on them that they don't have any faith. Amen? But you just need to keep going with your good self. Amen. Glory to God. And David said in verse 29, is there not a cause? And he turned and spoke to another and he just kept going. Is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? And then Saul finally hears about this. So the king, he says, oh, we got a little good news here. Bring this kid in. Amen. And David said to Saul, look at this. Let no man's heart fail. That's all that was happening. Their hearts were failing. Because of them, thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. Now, this is a childhood story, but remember, this really happened. This is historical fact. This is Bible fact. And I want you, as we just finish here, fellowship with David's spirit, with what's on him, the way he's approaching this, what his mindset is, what his words are. Verse 33, Saul said to David, you are not able to go against this Philistine. That's like a doctor saying, you have to die. Saul said, David, listen, sweetheart, it's very sweet that you came here today, but you're just a kid. You are just a kid. You're just a youth. This man has been a man of war from his youth. Notice, what kind of lens would you say the king is looking through? Natural. He's just given you the natural. What does he believe? We don't have access to anything supernatural. Here's a king that has the supernatural power of the living God available to him, but he won't tap into it. He doesn't even have the thought because he is so dominated in his brain by the natural. We have to break this off of ourselves. We all start that way as Christians. We have to train ourselves to think different. What's possible for you this year? What did you put on your sheet? I hope not a to-do list, stuff that you know you can do but stuff to believe God for. Stuff your God can do. Amen. And so you see Saul's mindset, and David said to Saul, verse 34, Thy servant kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear, and took a lamb out of the flock. Now think about this. This is not even David's lamb or sheepfold. He's doing this as a chore for his daddy. They're just saying me, just me, what I probably would have done. I probably would have gone to daddy. Dad, daddy, daddy. Oh, dad. Dad, there's a lion. There's a lion, dad. There's a bear. And he's got one of your lambs. What are you going to do, daddy? That would have been natural for a kid to do. David had a different thought. I am not going to let that lion take something that belongs to my daddy. On my watch. 
I'm not going to go back and report to my daddy that I lost one of his lambs to a lion or a bear. So what did he do? He grabbed the lion by the bear. I mean, he grabbed the lion by the beard. You know, grab the lion by the beard? That's pretty bold, right? Grab the lion by the beard? It'll bite you. I have a little kitten, and when she's in play mode, little, just a little kitten, when she's in play mode, you better watch out. She will tear you a new one. But a lion. David grabbed it by the beard. He said, I opened the jaws of the bear and the lion, and I took out the lamb, and I slew the lion and the bear. And this is David's thought. This Philistine shall be like one of them. <laughs> oh, I'm not saying... I would, I'm just saying, I'm just being honest. I'm going to tell off on myself. Me, even today, I hope I would be the David. But I wonder if I'd be in the ditch with all the other soldiers. Because look, this kind of response is rare. But that spirit that birthed that response, 2 Corinthians 4.13 is telling us we have the same spirit. We're all going to come. I'm trying to close. We're all going to come to the crisis moments of life. The storms of life are coming to all of us. How will you and I respond? Well, we determine that response now by what we do today, by what we do every day, by feeding our faith, developing our faith, and putting our lives and our families in the right atmosphere. We learn this. We learn this, this life of faith. Amen. And uh, so anyway, just trying to finish here. And David said, moreover, the Lord delivered, verse 37, out of the lion, of the palm of the lion, the bear, so forth. And so Saul said, go ahead, go. And the Lord, and say, so here's another thing, David, if you read the whole thing, David's the only one that brings up the Lord. The soldiers aren't talking about the Lord. They're not thinking about the Lord. The king is not thinking about the Lord. David's the first one that brought up the Lord. The Lord will deliver me. The Lord will deliver this uncircumcised Philistine in my hand. You know, the spirit of faith will always factor in the Lord. So don't just look at your finances. Look at your finances with the Lord. The provider. Look at that sickness and disease with the Lord. Go to the doctor with the Lord. Go to the appointment with the Lord. Make your battle plan with the Lord. See, it's not faith to leave him out of it and just do what the natural says you can do. Amen. God's called us to a higher life than that. Anyway, so the long and short of it is he gets permission to go. And, of course, they, they begin to confront and. David's mocking, or being mocked by Goliath. Amen. But what, see, what is the spirit of faith on him doing? I just love this. Man, he is just flat running at the giant. And he's got something in his mouth. See, David believes something. And he is speaking from the moment he showed up. This is what the spirit of faith does. The spirit of faith believes something. And then it says what it believes. We having the same spirit of faith. According as it is written, we have believed, therefore we have spoken. I have also believed, and therefore speak. Well, how do you operate in the spirit of faith? You believe something. 
David believed, God can take that giant down. He'll right. use me to do it. And that wasn't theoretical. He said, we're going to do it right now. Where's my stone? And then the first opportunity he had, he's not in a coward just making a confession. He's running at that situation with the word of God in his mouth. So he's running at that giant, and the Lord this day is going to give you into my hand, and he will prove to all today, amen, that there is a God in Israel, and you've defied him. That's Cody translation, but that's about right. And he slung that, and God got on that rock and sunk it into his forehead, and down he went. And see, listen, this is what your giant doing. What was he doing, the giant? Mocking, laughing, scorning talking but little did that giant know that in just a moment his head would be on the ground cut off with his own sword your giant might have a big mouth today but if you'll run at it with faith it doesn't know what's coming the power of god's coming the grace of god's coming the supply of god the healing power of god is coming don't we need to not be moved by all this evil we see going on in the world the judgment of God is coming. The vindication of God is coming. The hand of the Lord is coming upon the enemy. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Woo, praise God. David found himself standing on top of his giant. He goes, oh yeah, I'm supposed to kill this guy. Make sure he's dead, dead. So he didn't even have a sword. So he took Goliath and cut his head off. And David walked around all day. You read that? He walked around all day with the bloody stump of that head in his hand. That's what you need. You need to walk around with the bleeding devil circumstance. Everywhere you go into the office and they're saying, what is that bloody mess you got there? That's the devil that tried to attack my family with sickness and disease. But he's dead. I'm healed. Okay. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. I don't know if you got some help tonight. Woo, praise God. Hallelujah. Let's stand up on our feet tonight.